Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. This community works in the trash dump, including kids working and having money and just filling out bags of trash, and that's all their life. So even though they have their responsibilities and there's this life that they embrace and they take as their own, they are also kids and have these desires of kids to play, to draw, to make jokes. So they had like this internal emotional battle in themselves of being an adult and being a child. They believe that they could do nothing in their lives rather than just pick up trash, that they can't go to university, that they can't find a good job that their future is for women to have lots of children and just depend on one man. And for men, it's just to be an alcoholic and work in a trash dump, and that's it. Until 2018, we didn't have any food at school. We started with zero. It was very hard for us because kids were always hungry. We even had one child passed out in class because she hadn't had anything to eat in more than 24 hours. I went looking for someone who could help and I found Convoy of Hope. Now, we feed the kids every day. Because they have eaten, they are coming alive and learning. Because of the food that Convoy gives, combined with the education we're providing, the kids can keep dreaming. It gives them a sense of security that they lack in the rest of their life. We can prove the system is wrong and that they could do something with their lives rather than just stay in poverty. We believe that every child here is a treasure and that they deserve to just be kids. God is doing something great here and His promises are coming true. BGMC of Wisconsin for our Wisconsin district this year has teamed up with Convoy of Hope. One of our largest projects will be to feed hungry children around the world this year. Uh, Currently, right now, around the world, we're experiencing one of the greatest food shortages of all time. Recently, I got the opportunity to listen and then have a conversation with one of our Convoy of Hope uh, operatives that's on the ground, working hard. Uh, He was talking about feeding kids in India. They landed a plane full of food. Hundreds of kids are singing praise and worship songs to a God because they're being fed. And our representative for Convoy of Hope asked the national, who do these kids worship? What God do they they worship? And they simply said, the God that feeds them. Can I tell you, when you put your change in a buddy barrel and you turn it in this year, we're feeding a kid. We're just not putting food in their stomachs. We're feeding them spiritually. There's a kid already praying to a God they don't know to rescue me and feed me. We get to be a part of showing up and saying, look how good our God is. Now let me tell you who he is. Amen? That's pretty awesome, pretty powerful. Um, We're going to talk more about missions at the end of service today, and I just want to let you know, I'm not asking you to give any more than you already are, but I want to tell you what we're doing, what it's going towards, and how it's changing lives today. Does that sound all right? Uh, And if the Lord leads you to do more, obviously be obedient to the Lord. I'm not going to stop him to do that, but... God is good and he's faithful, church. Can we stand to our feet this morning? I believe this is a house of victory today. If you came here today, you're not feeling well, you've got issues going on, burdens, the week's been tough, you're facing things this next week, I believe God's about to meet with you and encourage you and strengthen you. He loves you so much. Let's take just a moment and just talk with the Lord before we enter into worship. Lord, you are so good, so faithful, so amazing. Lord, you've done so much for so many in this place. But Lord, your goodness comes to no end. Lord, you're not done. This morning, I pray that you would move among your people and those who are sick or those who are tired, those who are exhausted, those who are facing the mountain before them. God, I pray this morning they would experience the turning of the tide in their life. Lord, 
I know you're calling us to be a dangerous church. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity you give us to support those who you have called to go to far and distant lands, those who you've called to do amazing things. But Lord, you have also called us to be missionaries and to take the gospel message. Lord, we thank you this morning. Lord, we pray for those children this year that will be fed, those kids that are asking for food for their bellies. They're crying out to a God they do not know. And Lord, I know that you will answer them. And that, Lord, that you would ask us to partner so that kids' bellies can be full, but also that their spirits might be full and that they might know the king. And as they grow, they might change their country from the inside out. Wouldn't it be awesome if a generation from now, India, was the leading Christian country? It can happen. Lord, as we enter into a time of worship, would your presence just come? Would your spirit minister? So many needs in this place. So much your spirit here. Those who can't attention on it, would you move? Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, amen. amen. Let's worship the Lord this morning. I believe it's 1 Corinthians 15, 57 that says, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Are you ready to sing victory in Jesus?
simply God is good. Amen. Do you believe maybe uh, Phil's singing that song of victory now? Michelle, Calton Bauman. We've had some saints go home to the Father's house in, in this recent time. But they're shouting in victory now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Are you willing to say yes to the Lord today for whatever he has for you? Let's sing, Yes, I Will. I count on one thing, the same God that never fails, will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working. Never is working all things out. You're working all things. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. Lift you high in the lowest valley. to give you hope and a future. Amen. I speak the name of Jesus over you. In your hurting, 
in your sorrow I will ask my God to move I speak the name cause it's all that I can do in desperation I'll seek heaven I pray this for you I pray for your healing circumstances will change I pray that the fear inside would flee in Jesus' name I pray for a breakthrough what happened to me Name. I speak the name of all authority. I speak the name of all authority, declaring blessings, every promise. He is faithful to keep. I speak the name no brain could ever hold. He is greater. I pray for your healing Circumstances will change I pray that the fear inside would flee In Jesus' name I pray that I pray through What happened today I pray miracles over your life In Jesus' name Just pray tribulations, that you also may be able to comfort others. Lord, we pray blessing. The blessing of God was the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and turn his face towards you and give you peace. I pray for revival, for restoration of faith. 
I pray that the dead will come alive in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Lord, as we get ready to transition to the preaching of your word, God, we pray that our hearts would be ready to receive what you have for us today. That, Lord, we're meant to live life. We're meant to live the life you've called us to live. In the midst of hardships, struggles, in the midst of darkness, there is joy and that God, Lord, is celebrate together. Glory and honor and God's people said, amen, amen. You can be seated today. Worship team, great job today. I think we'll have you come back up at the end of church today and worship one more time together. All right, kids, are you ready? They're already out, apparently. I don't know. We've got a couple kids left in here. We've got kids' church right now with Miss Jackie. Usually, I'm like, they're like all over the place. They're, they're already out there. So uh, you guys have a great time downstairs. So excited uh, for our kids' ministry. Uh, they, were, they were chomping at the bit to go with Miss Jackie today. Oh, man. Well, we'll talk more about missions at the end of, of the message today. It's all going to tie together. Um, I'm excited uh, today. Um, Today is the culmination of the last three weeks' messages brought to fruition. I don't know if I've ever been more excited about a worship experience with you than today. And at the end of service, if you're not celebrating, I don't know what I can do for you. Because um, this is going to be a house of worship and a house of celebration in just a few moments. So let's recap a little bit of where we've been. Last week, we're in Acts. Last week, we talked about the death of Stephen, a man full of the Spirit than the characteristics of Christ, a man who absolutely had the fruits of the Spirit in his life. We talked about the importance of cultivating the fruits of the Spirit and the character of Christ, because if we don't cultivate that, how in the world can we possibly operate in the gifts of the Spirit if we don't have the fruits of the Spirit? And if we prioritize the fruits in our life, man, the gifts begin to flow in incredible ways, and they're balanced, they're meaningful, and they're powerful. So here he was, this man who was a dangerous man in the kingdom of God. He was killed by religious people who didn't like his message. They dragged him out in the street, and they stoned him. That's what we're going to pick up today, Acts chapter 8, in a message we're calling Turn the Tide. And Saul approved of their killing him. Talking about Stephen, this man Saul approved of them killing him. Saul was a young man that was holding people's coats that were actually stoning Stephen to death. The scripture goes on to say, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Jerusalem. Wow. Oh, sorry, it's throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. We talked about mourning. We're going to mourn a little bit this afternoon. But Saul began to destroy the church. Powerful words. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Stephen's death scattered the church, but it empowered a young man named Saul. It was a pivotal moment for him. It began a course on a road where he thought he was serving God, but really bringing damage to the kingdom. Can I tell you, when there's individuals that are damaging the kingdom, God will eventually deal with it. Don't get me wrong. The church needs to be about correction and guidance and direction. But sometimes there are individuals that are so poised in their mind, they're thinking they're doing the right thing and they're going in the wrong direction, God will eventually encounter them and they will have to have that face-to-face -face conversation with him. We'll see that with Saul later on, but not today. So he's empowered and he begins to, what the Bible says, destroy the church. Men and women and children's lives seem to be destroyed. He's dragging men and women out of their homes into jail. 
Things kind of seem dark. Believe us, probably a dark place. But I want to tell you in the scripture, Jesus is about to turn the tide. And I want to tell you in our culture, in our world, Jesus is not done working. And he's going to turn the tide. Maybe today you're facing things in your life. You're brought to a place where you don't know how you're going to take the next step forward. Hold on, because Jesus is about to turn the tide for you. Let's jump back in time. Let's, let's go back to Exodus for our first point this morning, which is this. Things are not always what they appear to be. Things always aren't what they appear to be. You remember being a kid at Christmas, and you always wanted to open the big box. Now, if you were in my house, my parents were sneaky. They got the biggest box possible and put the smallest gift they could in there. It's like, yay, it's a four-by-four box. I got a pair of socks. I'm like, not always what they appear to be, but that's not always a bad thing. That's not always a bad thing. When Israel was leaving Egypt, it started out as a moment in time of tremendous victory. After generations of slavery, they were walking out of Egypt free, and not just free, but resourced. God compensated them for their time in slavery. Can I tell you, God is always watching you. He keeps balance of things. And you might go, it's not fair today, but I'll tell you at some point, Jesus will equal out things. When the enemy steals from us, God's got a notebook and keeps track of it. And God is a God of restoration. And whether it is on this side of eternity or the other, God will make it right. He does not forget, and he greatly loves his people. So here they were, resourced. Exodus 12, 36 says, The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people, and they gave them whatever they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. Turn the tide. Flip the script. One day, under persecution, treated horribly. The next day, hey, I like your watch. Can I have it? Absolutely. What? How did this happen? Because Jesus can turn the tide. Jesus can turn the tide. God then led them on a desert road all the way out to the Red Sea. And this seemed awesome. It seemed like a time to celebrate. That was until Pharaoh changed his mind, gathered his chariots and his army and pursued after them. And God's people found themselves stuck between an Egyptian army and a body of water, and they couldn't swim. And fear gripped their hearts. It looked like it was over. But can I tell you, God's people forgot how faithful God was. In Exodus 31, 21, it says, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them, on their way, and by night a pillar of fire to give them light, so they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of night, uh, fire by night left its place in front of the people. God never left. He never left them. He was literally visually there. Yet when the armies of Pharaoh came over the hill, the people's hearts melted because their focus was no longer looking to God. It was looking at the approaching army, the thing they feared. We don't always have a visual representation of God or Jesus to hang out. (laughs) How could you let this happen? Haven't I served you? Haven't I done my best to to listen to your Holy Spirit, to clean my life out when you you convict me of sin, to do what you ask me to do when you ask me to serve or or to go or to do? Have I not done the things you've asked me to do? Why then would you allow this to happen to me? Why would you allow this to happen to them? And we think God's left us, God's abandoned us, and he's standing right in front of us the whole time. 
He didn't leave them there. He didn't leave them in the book of Acts, and he does not leave us today. You can say amen to that. That's good. That's good preaching. I'm just telling you. That's, you may not feel it, but feelings lie. Feelings lie. Our feelings will tell us God's left us. Our feelings will tell us that we're all alone. We're, we're not alone. There's a church that loves us. There's a God who loves us. And it can go in the opposite direction too. Because how can someone fall in love with somebody and say, oh, I love this guy, but then he beats the living snot out of you day after day. Feelings lie. That's why feelings have to be balanced with the truth. The word of God is true. And we must balance our emotions and feelings through, through the lens of Scripture to keep us balanced, to keep us healthy. So let's do that. Let's go back to Scripture. God was there. God was with them. He did not leave them. And God was literally about to turn the tide for his people. Exodus 14, verse 21, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with the strong east wind and turned, in, turned, in, yeah, turned it into dry land. It would be good if I could talk. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of the chariot so they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelite. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and the chariots and the horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back into its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. God turned the tide. What looked like a moment of complete defeat, of complete failure, became the hour of greatest victory. As you continue to follow the Lord and mature in your walk with Christ, the Lord doesn't always take us to cozy, comfy places. The Spirit doesn't always guide us to the five-star hotel. Sometimes he leads us to a place of vulnerability. Remember, Jesus, guided by the Spirit, went out into the wilderness, into the desert. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead us to a place of vulnerability. He'll lead us to a place where it looks like the enemy is about to eat our lunch. He's about to devour us whole. He gets us in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. It's an actual encounter in the Old Testament. The man of God walked out with a new fur coat. <laughs> Vulnerable. I, and his belly can be. And sometimes the Holy Spirit puts us into that place not so that we'll be destroyed or hurt or harmed, but so that we can watch our God who loves us move on behalf of his kingdom and his people and show his goodness to you and to others. God knows what he's doing. And as we grow closer to God, we learn to trust him in those moments. It's not always easy. Like, I'm not up here saying I got this all figured out because I don't. It's difficult. It's frustrating at times. I have those same conversations with God that you do. I get frustrated. But that's when we got to seek God and go, Lord, what are you doing? Is this because I've done something? Is this because of something that needs to be fixed in my life? Is there something that you're trying to change in me? Are you using this, this moment in time to, to do that? And, and usually he is, but he also might be doing it to change somebody else's life. Are we willing to go through some hardships and difficulties so that someone else might have the freedom and the joy and the, the gifts that you share as a child of God? 
Let's, let's go back to the early church in Acts chapter 8. Those who had been scattered, this is verse 4, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip, they saw the signs he performed. They all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many, were par- many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. Great persecution had broken out in Jerusalem. Christians were being jailed. And this caused the church to leave Jerusalem. But here's the catch. The Christians, these followers of Jesus, they left Jerusalem, but they took Jesus with them. Do we take Jesus into the times in our life where we're under persecution, where we're under fire, where we're under the gun, where we're being squeezed, where we're in the pit, where we feel like we're drowning? Do we take Jesus with us? Philip found himself preaching a hundred miles away in this small town. Look back at his ministry here in verse 7 and 8. It says, For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. There was great, then there was great joy in the city. While, great, while Christians in Jerusalem had experienced a celebration for the last several years, because while there was a little bit of persecution at the beginning, they had gone a couple of years and were really thriving. Things were going fairly well. Things were happening. The church was growing. People were getting saved. This was great, but it was contained mostly in Jerusalem. Meanwhile, up the road 100 miles was a community who was oppressed with darkness. They were facing situations of hopelessness. What the people in Samaria needed was Jesus. What they needed was someone to tell them about the gospel. Was it someone to tell them what we've experienced in Jerusalem, you can experience here. Look at Romans 10, 14 and 15. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. People stuck in this absolute darkness, being tormented by evil spirits, families being torn apart, a city oppressed with darkness, people drowning in a current of sand. Because with the persecution of the church in Jerusalem, It was the activation of missions for the church. God used the difficulty in Jerusalem to accelerate the kingdom of God and to take it around the globe. And so missions were born in Acts chapter 8. Don't get me wrong, the church still has a whole lot of learning to do. And so does our church. (laughs) We got a long ways to go. But I believe that the calling has come for this church to be dangerous. And that when we go places, we take Jesus with us. Amen? Okay, I'm going to have, you guys need to like this, you step up a little bit, okay? This was the launch of missions. It put the church where they needed to be, when they needed to be there. Jesus loved the people in Jerusalem, but the gospel could not stay there. Because Jesus loved the people in Samaria and beyond. We're God's people today. We're called to be, a da- be dangerous for his kingdom. We're called to be bearers of light. We are children of the Most High God. We are loved by our Savior. But he loves the people who do not know him, both here in our city, across our state, across our country, and around the globe. He is in love with them. And if we love him, we must also learn to love the people he loves. And they're not all the people that are cleaned up and pretty and have a tie on. He's called us to go. He's called us to go, church. 
God will use circumstances to put us where we need to be when we need to be there. What if the flat tire we experience isn't just a flat tire? What if the traffic that we find ourselves in isn't just traffic? What if running to the store for something that we run out of isn't just running to the store? What if all these things are divine appointments scheduled by the Holy Spirit? But we just find them inconvenience when really God's trying to set us up for the perfect moment to be right where we need to be when we need to be there. Yesterday we celebrated Michelle Malarney's life. That woman was a preacher and she didn't even know it. So many, so many people's lives touched by Jesus. So many people were sharing that she'd be at the grocery store buying ice cream. She'd run into a complete stranger and have a half an hour conversation with them. Ice cream melting, all come running out of the grocery bag and everything. It didn't matter because somebody was going to have an encounter that day and be encouraged. Women's lives that she touched to speak into their lives in the moments of darkness Moments of, of abuse, moments uh, that we can't even, some of us can't even fathom, that she took the time to speak into their life and allow the Holy Spirit to speak words through her. Not religious words, not churchy words, but words of saying, you are loved, you are valued, you are cared about. Yeah. Yeah. That impacts people's lives. Michelle Malarney may have just lived in Connecticut and Wisconsin, but I'll tell you what, she was a missionary to the streets of our city. And I believe we're called to be the same. Are we willing? Are we willing to say yes to the Lord? We have a missions team that's getting ready to go to Nicaragua in August. We're excited about that. It's a great team. Mike, how many people do we have currently going? 16. 16 people going to Nicaragua. So if you're not going to Nicaragua, you better show up for the church, church services while they're gone, all right? I'll be preaching by myself. I think it's great. I'm so excited about this. Things are coming along in great ways. All those people said yes to going to Nicaragua for Jesus. I'm going to ask you this morning, are you willing to say yes to Jesus to go to the gas station or the grocery store or to your neighbor's house? Because sometimes we're willing to go to the furthest, darkest places around the globe, but we're not willing to cross the street to share Jesus. Those people need Jesus too. Those people deserve an opportunity to find out about a love of a Savior that is overwhelming and that can drastically change their life forever. Are you willing to let the Holy Spirit set up divine appointments for you? We've all experienced it. But I believe that God's doing something extraordinary. He's got meetings scheduled for every person in this place to bump shoulders with somebody today, tomorrow, later this week, a month from now, to put you in exactly the right place at exactly the right time. And it may be that a burden that you have puts you into that place. I've shared this story before. I'll keep it short. We almost lost our daughter when we were, when we were uh, associate pastors, Chi Alpha directors in South Dakota. She had gotten flu and asthma. We took her to the hospital. They said, we don't have the facility to be able to help her loaded her up in an ambulance. We went to Sioux Falls. It was close. We're staying in the room with her late at night through the air conditioning duct. I hear a family. And they're breaking because their child had swallowed a grape and it got stuck in their throat and their airway. And they didn't have oxygen and they weren't sure if their, their, their child would be brain damaged or not or even live. And I heard all the way at the end of the hall was a family going into a meeting room. And I walked in. They were the only people there. And I walked in, grabbed the bottle of water. I'm like, well, what could possibly? I mean, the worst thing I'm going to do is start a conversation. They're going to think I'm crazy. I said, uh, ma'am. Were you asking God to bring somebody 
to pray for you. She began to cry. Began to tell me the story. She said, how did you know? And I said, I heard you. I'm in this room. She was clear on the other side of the hallway. There is no way I should have been able to hear that. But Jesus puts you in the right place at the right time. Right after that, Riley turned the corner. And I realized that God said, you're available, and I need you here for this assignment. And then I told God he had to pay for the medical bill. (laughs) (laughs) And he was faithful. We got it paid off. Church, are you willing? Are you willing? We've got one more thing that we want to talk about, but I want to pray first. Church, would you just... Bow your heads, close your eyes for a minute. Don't look around the room. Maybe you're sitting here, it's your first time here, and you're thinking to yourself, this guy up there seems really passionate about this Jesus guy, but I don't, I don't, I don't know how, why. And maybe it's because you don't have a relationship with him. Maybe you've heard about Jesus, you've heard the Bible stories, but you don't, you don't, have a conversational relationship with Jesus. You don't walk with him. And that's, I'm not demeaning you. I'm not dragging you down. I'm just asking, would you like to have one? Would you like to know this person who's radically changed my life? To the point that I'm saying, yes, God, I want to go for you. And I want to be dangerous for you. If you'd like to know Jesus as your Savior today, would you just raise your hand? No one's looking around. I'm the only one. If you're here today and you want to start a relationship with Jesus. All right. I'm going to assume that we all have a relationship with Jesus then. You guys can can look up. If you're willing to say, yes, I'll go where you call me to go, Jesus. I'm not saying that you have to get on a plane and go to a foreign country. But would you be willing to say yes to Jesus if he asks you to cross the street? He asks you to talk to a coworker. If he asks you to, to help somebody, serve somebody at the grocery store, get that item off the top shelf, or for some of us, the bottom shelf, because we're not tall, are you willing to say yes to Jesus? And if you are, would you stand to your feet this morning to say, yes, Lord, I'll go for you? Well, we're going to pray. But I'm going to tell you this. If you're standing to your feet, There is an expectation. Jesus will ask you to go. Don't worry about what to say. His spirit will give you the words when you need them. You'll say the right thing. You'll be in the right place. God's not going to hang you out to dry. He's a God of provision. He'll give you what to say, what you need when you need it. Lord, we want to be a dangerous people. And God, we have been given such a precious gift to know freedom from you, to know know the fruits of the Spirit, to see restoration. We've seen miracles. We've experienced miracles. But Lord, there are those in our community and across our state, in our workplaces, at our campus that don't know you. They don't have a relationship with Jesus. They're out there doing life by themselves. But God, you've asked us to step in. Lord, just like this man that we see that went to Samaria and he took the message of Jesus with him, he went with you to Samaria. God, we go with you to our workplaces, to the gas station, to the grocery store, to the mall. Lord, as we walk around our community, as we we go into different places, that Lord, we walk with the Most High God. Lord, help us to see, open our eyes to opportunities that we can serve, we can love, we can show grace and mercy and kindness. Help us, Lord, to not be grumpy Eeyores, but God, to have a smile on our face and to be able to just love on people with who we are and who we're called to be. Help us, Lord, as the Holy Spirit sets up our day planner this next day, this next week, this next month, this next year. Put us where we need to be, when we need to be there, and then, Lord, we will trust you with the resource. Lord, this morning, there are some in this place who feel like they, you have led them right to the sea, and the armies are coming after them. God, turn the tide in their life. Do 
great and amazing things. You've put them where they are for a reason, to help them grow, but maybe also to reach somebody's life for the kingdom of God. Lord, you can be trusted, and you do not leave us. Your word tells us that. Like the pillar of fire and cloud, you are right in front of us. You are in this building today, and you will go with us when we leave. There is no question. Lord, help us to stay in stride with you, not to get ahead of you or behind you, but Lord, to follow you, to hear your voice, to speak to us through your word. Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor. God's people said, amen. Amen. You sit down for just a moment. I got one last thing I want to share with you today. It is Missions Sunday here at the church. Now, we talked earlier about we've got a missions team, and they are uh, they're getting ready to, to go to Nicaragua. And I want to thank you for giving to missions. Uh, a little over a month ago, we did Faith Promises. If you, you weren't here, you need to be faithful to that, and you have one around here, pick one moment. Because of your faithful giving, we support missionaries on a monthly basis. Just a few of those. Uh, Marianne Adams, who serves in Indonesia. Uh, and watches our church service. So hi, Marianne. I know that you're still up watching this. It's great to have you with us today. Uh, The Buckleys, who serve in Hungary, who some of you were just there and saw them uh, and doing a great job in Hungary. The Powells in Thailand, and they're leaving on my birthday to go back to Thailand, June 1st. So I'm really excited about that. We just talked uh, a week, two weeks ago. And uh, man, they're they're super excited to go. They're doing great. Um, I love that family. But we also, because of your faithful giving to missions, and and some of you have blessed missions, our missions above and beyond, we also have the ability to take on special projects. So when the Lord says, pull the trigger for a special project, we've been able to do that. In the past, uh, we've had opportunities with our missionaries in Mexico, the Cislos. Uh, They needed uh, a bunch of equipment because they were running uh, studies for, for adults and they had all these kids, but they had no curriculum, they had no video equipment, none of that. We were able to take care of the entire project through BGMC and said, look, we're going to take care of this. You guys are doing phenomenal work. Let's, let's make this happen. God spoke to us. We pulled the trigger on that. The couple that we just had up there, the Powells, had a miscarriage a few years back. And in a moment of darkness and hard times, we pulled from our missions account, didn't send it as a missions, but said this is for you guys, specifically for your family, for the needs that you have to get away, to... Love on your kids. I, to, I told Brandon, love on your wife. That's what this is for. We just sent that love offering to them. So we've been able to step into situations like that. Mary Ann, we got her a whole bunch of equipment that she needed. We've just been able to, as God has said, hey, pull the trigger on this, pull the trigger on that. We've been faithful to do that. And when we first started talking about our team going to Nicaragua, um, this weird thing happened. Um, every time that I talked to somebody about it, they're like, hey, where's your team going? And I'm like, Guatemala. Like, and I would instantly say, no, we're not going to Guatemala. And I'm like, Hi, I'm sure Jairo was like frustrated to no end with me. He's like, we're not going to Guatemala. We're going to Nicaragua. And I finally told somebody, I said, well, obviously the Holy Spirit is saying that we're supposed to connect with Guatemala somehow in the future. And I kind of said that joking. But when I said that, all of a sudden, you ever said something and the Holy Spirit goes, aha, hello, yes. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, keep your, keep your ears open because I'm asking you to do something in Guatemala. I'm like, okay. And two weeks ago, I had the opportunity to hear from Steve Tripp, who is our youth director uh, for Wisconsin. And uh, they have a, a project that they've been doing with missions in Guatemala with some of our ministry partners. And we've got a video about that. So let's, let's watch that video. A lot of people have come to know Jesus in a particular way because they only thought that Jesus was a religion before, but now they can see that Jesus is also not just a savior of their lives, but also a savior in every aspect of their lives right now here on earth. We're here in Guatemala. Uh, It's my privilege to spend a few days with one of our primary partners in Convoy of Hope. I know a lot of times we think of what they do when it comes to disaster relief, but there's so much more. We spent some time with them in a a medical clinic where they were meeting the basic needs of the the villagers. They make an emphasis on working with single moms and provide chickens for them to get a start and build a business and to provide for their families. 
and the things they're doing with women empowerment is just so inspiring uh, today. But the greatest change, as always, is the gospel of Jesus presented and the truth that they find there and the hope that they can have in Him. We work with the poorest of the poor. Most of them, they earn an income, daily income, no more than $4 a day. So what we do is that we believe in education so they can have the skills. Some men that are in prostitution leave that world and now their stories have been changed. We are giving them hope, but especially we share the gospel of Jesus Christ in everything we do and with everything that we are. We believe that the solution and the change for a better future is only through the Lord. I just want to once again say thank you for the efforts and the sacrifices you make for the cause of missions. And the leadership here was inspired by you uh, as students going out and uh, doing more. And so I'm very proud of that, but I'm even more excited about this coming year as we're gonna, for the first time ever, try to raise a million dollars for Speed the Light for people just like these people in Guatemala who are carrying the message of Jesus uh, to the people that are all around them that are in need. Steve and I got the opportunity to talk to each other a little bit. And when I heard him speak on this, uh, I heard the Holy Spirit said, pull the trigger. Part of our ministry partners that are working in Guatemala are working with uh, women that are stuck in sex trafficking. And they're stuck. They're told that they can purchase their freedom, but they only make enough money to basically survive. So while $400 would purchase their freedom, it might as well be $4 million because they have no money to save. It's starve and try to get my freedom or live and be trapped in captivity. Since Steve shared this with me, I've been praying about it. And every time I pray, I see this picture of this woman praying in this room. It's so vivid in my mind. And she's praying to a God that she does not know, and she is praying for freedom. And all I can think is like, freedom is coming, freedom is coming. So we're going to be a dangerous church. And today we're writing a check to pay for four women's freedom and to set them free. And we're also going to pay for them to have a place to stay, and we're going to pay for them to be discipled, and we're going to pay for them to get job training as a hairstylist, or as a beautician, or as a seamstress. Come on, come on. And that's because of your faithful giving. I'm not asking you to give any more than you've already given. But please be faithful in what you've said you'd give to missions. Next week, we've got a missionary coming to an undisclosed country that I can't mention. I can't tell you who. So we, there's a financial need there. If you, and I would say, remember that today. But if the Lord does tell you, hey, you need, to, you need to put some extra in, just make it out for the Guatemala project, and we'll get it where it needs to go. Um. Michelle Malarney's funeral was yesterday, uh, and some people were very generous uh, with uh, giving some financial resources there, and uh, all of the money that came in will go to the Guatemala Project, because that's what Michelle would want. Let's set somebody free. I do want to address one thing in the room, because I know how the devil works. And someone might sit here and think, well, aren't we just feeding into the problem? We pay for these women's freedom, they'll get somebody else. What type of difference are we really making? You tell that to the four women that we're setting free today. We can't do it all, but we can do something. And God can turn a nation around. I don't know about you, but I feel like celebrating because there are four women that are going to be set free today. Amen. Worship team, would you come back? Because we're going to leave. He still sets people free. I see as someone who's actually praying. And I want to pray, just not for those women, but all those women in Guatemala that are stuck and trapped. 
Because I believe God does great things. And I also believe this, and I get, this isn't doctrine that I'm preaching, and I don't usually go into these grounds very often. But I truly believe that there is something that happens when we tie into missions and when we free up resources for missions, that God then does something similar in the community. And I'm passionate because I feel like I'm obedient to the Lord. The Lord said, pull the trigger, we're doing this. I talked to the board, they said, absolutely, we've got to do this. We're all on one accord. But as I got to thinking about these women being set free, I thought, wouldn't it be something that we invest in people's lives and the freedom that they would come to know Christ there? Wouldn't it be something that God would turn it around and do it right here as well? He can do it. Let's pray one more time together. We're going to pray over our offering. We're going to pray all that. We're going to do this song, and then you're dismissed. So nobody else is going to come up and dismiss you at that point. But Jesus, you're good. You're faithful. You set people free. What an honor to be a part of your kingdom and to give up resources that four women today who are caught in slavery, who see no hope, who see no way out in the days ahead, will experience freedom that someone purchased their freedom. And it's not a church. It's not a person. It is only Jesus that has done it. And that, God, you would take these lives and you would turn them around. You would give them hope. You would give them the truth. You would love on them and restore them and bring them to wholeness and completion. And then, then, Lord, you would empower them to live life, to live in freedom, but God, to also go make a difference in somebody else's life. Lord, I know that even here in Ripon, God, there is so much darkness. Maybe there's sex trafficking in our own backyard right here in Ripon. Maybe not. I don't know. What I do know is that there are men and women in our city that are in bondage to drugs. God set them free. Set them free. Lord, I think about this young man who died on our streets here alone. Never again, never again in our city. God, for those young men that were with him and made a horrible decision, set them free. Set them free. They'll have to live with that for the rest of their life. But God, set them free that they might know the truth of who you are. Lord, bring freedom to our city, and Lord, may we be a part of it. May we be a part of taking the truth the freedom found in Christ to our community as we serve, as we love, as we go. Lord, we pray over our offering today. Lord, we pray over missions. For all of our missionary and missionary partners, God, would you bless them? Would you take what we give today? Lord, may it go further in the kingdom of God than we ever thought possible. God, you see the needs of our community. You see the needs of this church. Lord, you're going to help us get the things done that we need to get done. You put us where we need to be, when we need to be there. You are not leaving us out here alone. You are right with us. And you're a God of resource. God, give us the resources. And Lord, we pledge to do everything that we can to do, be obedient to you. And when you say pull the trigger, we will pull the trigger. Lord, we love you. Lord, be with these people today. Those who are giving the tithes and offerings for time before we go on. A blessing to the family today as we serve them. Lord, I pray for the two pastors that will be doing the service that you would anoint them with power and authority and joy and laughter, uh, and that, Lord, it would be an awesome time as we celebrate Phil's life, and that, Lord, we know we will see him again. He had the best seat in the house for today's service. Uh, Lord, we just thank you that you are faithful, that you love us. God's people said, Amen. let's worship one more time. Can we do that before we leave?
Let's do it. Let's do Father's house, because we're in the Father's house. Amen? Pastor, I just got a question. Yes, sir. Uh, you presented us with a challenge. Could we uh, sing, yes, I will, as we answer in the affirmative? Well, yeah. Let's do that. Okay. I like it. Can you say, yes, I will, to the Lord, what he's calling you to today? Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Yes, I will. Let's sing that chorus again. Yes, I will. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. God. 